0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Are the numbers moving? Yes. Okay, that was the one thing I was taught about podcasting. If, if everything else can go wrong, but if the numbers aren't moving, that's a disaster, because then you don't actually have a podcast. You, have, you have a you have a, <laughs> um, a silent cast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound right.
1: I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and that is my wife, Rebecca. Today, she and I are going to try out a new couples activity, and I got to tell you, It's something we've never done before. It's maybe something that all couples should try at least once, though, at some point in their relationship. We are going to interview each other. So buckle up. As we in the United States start to see the light at the end of this COVID-19 tunnel, it just felt like a special moment to reflect. Life's been moving along so quickly, we barely take time to just sit back and think about what has happened. We now have the chance to rebuild with intention in the coming months, and we have the ability to optimize our minds and our bodies to really get through this and to thrive. On this new podcast, I'm gonna talk with scientists and doctors and researchers, and yes, even my wife, to explore the surprising science behind health and happiness and fulfillment things we all really care about. We're going to talk about that and also figure out what steps we want to take to move forward together. It's time to stop feeling stuck and start chasing life. For this very first episode, we wanted to start with a big question, maybe the biggest question of the moment. How have we changed during this pandemic? And how does that shape the way we want to live our lives going forward?
3: It's definitely been difficult trying to pave a new path when the world is kind of on pause, like it's in the middle of the night. I started my first full-time job, which was completely remote. And to this day, 10 months later, I still have no idea what most of my co-workers look like.
0: After an 18-year-long career with a major nonprofit in the United States, I was let go. At 57 years old, this was a job and a position that I was hoping to retire from within a few years.
3: COVID definitely contributed to my decision to graduate a semester early because online classes were so taxing. And I think missing out on a senior year is something that I'm going to look back upon and miss as time goes on.
0: I think there was healthy parts of the change. Slowing down not rushing through devotions in the morning, looking a little longer at a sunset or a full moon.
4: It felt as though the universe was trying to send me a message of no car, no job, no real reason to get back to Austin. So if there was ever gonna be a time to make a big life change, this had to be it. So I made the decision to buy a van and hit as many national parks as I could in the time that I was potentially allotted.
2: Ironically, with all of the doors that the pandemic has shut, It really has opened up the freedom to be able to decide where I want to be and what I want to do with my life when things start getting back to normal, whatever normal is after this.
1: As many of you also know, I am a neurosurgeon. I love the brain. It's one of my passions. And one thing I know for certain about change is that it can be super important for your brain. It can actually be really helpful in fascinating ways that I'll get into later. But right now, it may just feel like there's a lot of pressure to make big changes in our lives. And that can be hard. Coming out of the pandemic, this is supposed to be our fresh start, right? So which changes should we embrace now and which should we resist? I went in search of some guidance from someone... That I've turned to over and over again at times like this.
2: Is there something you want to talk to me about?
1: (laughs) (laughs) My wife, Rebecca. I invited her, my partner, through this pandemic. And by the way, through 17 years of marriage as well. I invited her to come into my home recording studio, which is actually just a fancy way of saying a small closet room in our basement. Have you been into this room before? What do you think of my podcast room? How would you well, describe this? I've been this into th- this
2: room before because it's a closet. <laughs> um, <laughs> the one that we built the little Ikea shelves. It's amazing what they can do with these shelves. They've co- totally covered them in blankets and stuffed all the pillows and clamped some soundboard things. Um, it's totally crazy in here. What but, you- hey, enough room for a table yeah, and a microphone and- or two.
1: We decided it was the right time to sit down in front of a microphone and hit record because the questions we're beginning to ask each other are questions that I think everyone in the country maybe everyone in the world is also trying to figure out how to answer such as what's it really been like spending so much time together
2: yes it's been it's been fun we've had a good time
1: is it good <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think the walking and the yoga and stuff that we've been doing where it's not just being together, but we're being together active. Because when we first got together, we used to run. We used to run like six miles a day almost every day. And um, and you had almost as busy of a schedule then as you do now. but. Through the years, we haven't been able to do an activity regularly like we have now. And I think that that's been really, really good for us. We like to be active and we like to do things together.
1: You think we will continue to do it even after this pandemic sort of starts to wind down?
2: (laughs) I think that really all depends on what your schedule becomes. It's um, if if you're home as much as you are, then, yeah, we'll continue to do it. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to have to make time for it.
1: What's the biggest change for you during this? How have you changed the most during this pandemic?
2: How have I changed the most? I I mean, does that go into the, like, the drunk monk? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: Those are the four personality types that a lot of people say have come out of this pandemic. The chunk, the
2: hunk, the drunk, and the monk. I was a hunk for a while there. I lost weight. And then I, like, became a chunk. And then then I was a monk. And now— Okay. I'm probably never a monk. (laughs) I'm never a monk. I am, um, I'm a hunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are.
1: (laughs) It's mainly because I have not had time to do, to engage in the bad behaviors that would take me towards, uh, chunk or drunk. I guess. I so guess.
2: basically you have not been eating or drinking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I have. Not, I really haven't. I mean, maybe a couple times.
2: Yeah. Actually, our alcohol consumption has gone way, way down. I hear other people's has gone up, but ours has just gone like. I
1: mean, we were never big drinkers, but I you know, I'd probably have a drink on the weekends for sure. And I, 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 as you're talking, you I it. can't remember the last time I actually really did that. But then the walks help. The exercise helps. The yoga mm-hmm. helps. So you start to do all that stuff. And so that's a good
2: change. I mean, there are some good things. We've had a lot of, you know, we've managed to find ways to, as a family, be a family and laugh and entertain ourselves in ways that we hadn't before. And it's made us become creative in our own way. And hopefully we hold on to those.
1: And the spontaneous dance parties were a lot of fun. I like (laughs) like that sort of thing. You know, even when I was talking to my wife about these big changes that our family is facing... I can't help but think about what this means for the brain. I've got to say that change can be good for the brain. It can be stressful sometimes, but in some ways it's actually essential for brain health. Let me explain. We used to think that you got a certain number of brain cells, and that was sort of set in stone. These brain cells would eventually die off, and that was it. You'd drain the cash. But what we've learned more recently is that it is quite possible we humans have the ability to generate new brain cells throughout our entire lives, not just when we are babies and our brains are still forming or in the wake of some injury, but neurogenesis, this idea of growing new brain cells, may be possible throughout our entire lives. And as an extra bonus, humans also have the ability to form new connections between those new brain cells and maybe change the brain circuitry That's called neuroplasticity. You've probably heard that before, but so much of this is empowering. I really believe that. We can actually take steps to rewire and even expand our neural pathways to build healthy habits for a happier and safer life. But what should those healthy habits be? For me, the great
3: shift we could make or recognize or hold on to is that we have to routinize rest. We have to build that into our
1: schedule and treat it as the incredible priority it should be. Lisa DeMoor is a clinical psychologist. You might recognize her from a previous episode of my coronavirus podcast.
3: Even pretty intense stress can be okay and growth-giving if you can rest. And the analogy that works really, really well here is to think about psychological stress intellectual stress emotional stress as being a lot like the stress of weightlifting that when we lift weights that are heavy uncomfortably heavy so long as we're not injuring ourselves and really have a good workout and then compare that with rest we actually gain strength and the same is true for all of these mental activities that we have you know a really intense week of work or a really you know powerful emotional experience And if we have downtime, if we can process it, if we can rest, usually we can consolidate that and grow on it.
1: Rest is going to look different for every person. But for Rebecca and me, it's really been about those walks and the yoga and the exercise. I know that may not sound like it, but in many ways that was our form of rest and recharge. Unfortunately, I think for our kids, sometimes figuring out what is restful for them has been harder. The thing that they feel like they're missing isn't rest, after all. It's all of their old activities, their friends, all of that.
3: I think for the most part, kids and teenagers really just want to get back to their lives, you know, really want to get back to being in school in the regular way, seeing their peers in the regular way. And for them, of course, Time feels really different. You know, I say about teenagers that, you know, they, they basically operate in dog years. Like one year of an adolescent's life is like seven years of an adult's life. So if this pandemic has felt long for grownups, right, we have to bear in mind, you know, for teenagers, it feels like they've had, you know, seven years in a monastery, you know. And so I think
1: for them, the big transition is to get to return to life. It's something that Rebecca and I worry about a lot. I think the pandemic's been hard on our three daughters Sage, Sky, and Soleil. They are 15, 14, and 12. But especially hard for our oldest, who's often felt cut off from her friends at a time when she really wanted to be immersed in a sea of humanity.
2: If we were to think back when we were 15 and 16 years old, and um, the people that were the most influential in our lives were our friends. And I realized that for our daughter or for any teenager, that ability to kind of, you know, bounce their ideas and, and move forward with their peers helps them really develop who they are. And I feel that she missed a big chunk of that. And on top of it, we were running, you know, crazy, but a lot of it was their activities and their activities are so important, not just for their you know, not just for their fun and social, but for their physical and mental health, and then for their future, the things that they're involved in when they're um, going forward. And she, she all those things just shut down for her, and they haven't really fully come back. Where the others have been able to engage in newer activities, she wasn't really able to mm. pick that back up. And that, I think, has been kind of a struggle
1: yeah I don't know sometimes if this is like you look at this sort of as a interruption in their lives if this is some sort of permanent impact in their lives i I don't know I mean there's not a lot to to go on here you know you go back like a hundred years at previous pandemic of this nature and and see what the impact was but um what are what do you think though do you think are you optimistic that a year from now that she will have bounced back you know
2: uh, I hope, I mean, part of it is going to be us, you know, kind of trying to always give her that view that this is more of an in- interruption than a derailment. But she's had some great wins and successes this past year, too, that I don't think she might not have even attempted or engaged in, like the cheerleading thing, which was fantastic. That being said, I keep trying to give her, in all three of them, more of that And you, too, that perspective that it was just an interruption and to try to filter out, like you say, what was the good and to hold on to those things.
1: have a chance to maybe try and think about how we want to plan our days. Lisa hopes that maybe we can slow the pace of life a little bit.
3: The thing I'm hearing and also feeling personally is how much people have appreciated having fewer activities in their lives, especially adults with kids you know so my hope is that everybody says, "Wow, this is fantastic to not be so overprogrammed and to have more time on our hands and to enjoy more leisurely dinners and not to be running off in ten different directions all the time." And so I sort of think that having seen the alternative, having seen what it means just to be able to hang out at dinner or hang out on the weekends, people might be more cautious about how much they sign up for.
1: That point really resonated with Rebecca and me. Before the pandemic we were always driving our kids back and forth between school clubs and sports and tutoring you name it and between my work for CNN and at the hospital I was always
2: on the go There's one year where you traveled like 80% of the year and it was ridiculous there's crisis after crisis and um, and that one was a ridiculous year. And you lost something like 14 pounds and your parents had that, that lovely conversation with me. Um, but, <laughs> Why
1: aren't you feeding my son? <laughs>
2: yeah, like
1: uh, um, <laughs> It's very hard to do things together when you're not physically yeah, in the same place. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, I, I think that that idea of having that time to walk, to reflect, maybe even a little bit, all that is really important. I mean, I think that's been one of the great lessons for me. And it's funny, I mean, and I could say this, but you and I, we would see couples walking pre-pandemic and we would think those must be retired people, <laughs> right? Who else would get to do that sort of thing? Right. I mean, I, like, just take a walk in the middle of the day? I mean, who, like, impossible.
2: Yeah.
1: It was actually really nice. I mean, why does it take a pandemic to get that sort of thing?
2: And it's the time.
1: Right. It's, 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 it's the time. You know, me... I was at home, but I was busier than really I'd ever been. Mm -hmm. It was weird in the sense that I remember one day that I suddenly had a few hours where I was like, wow, I really, I mean, in this 14, 15 month period, I could probably point to two or three times where I had a few hours (laughs) Mm -hmm. where I could just say, I don't really have anything I absolutely need to do right this moment. Just a few hour periods throughout the last 14 months.
2: Mm -hmm. It's that constant anxiety
1: and stress that I feel like I've had.
2: So I don't know if you might have some kind of PTSD next time you walk into this closet when they, if they take you back to you, you go back to work and you have an office and a real studio instead of a closet with blankets hanging on it. And then you'll come down here and you'll start shaking like, oh, remember the time I couldn't get out of that room.
1: You know, sadly, it's true. Like many others, I have trouble with work-life balance. So I wanted to talk to an expert on the topic.
4: I am an organizational psychologist. No, I cannot cure your OCD or organize your closet. Basically, I study how to make work not suck.
1: That's Adam Grant. He's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. He's also got this great new book. It's called Think Again. He's hosted the TED podcast, Work Life. And Adam has been looking at the ways the pandemic has transformed the way that we live and the way that we work.
4: One of the biggest effects of the pandemic is it's just erased boundaries in people's lives. There's a giant blur between all the different elements of my life, and we know that's, that's compounded by the fact that a lot of people are working two to three hours longer days than they were before. Some of that is, you know, it's okay, I don't have to commute, I don't spend quite as much time getting ready in the morning so I can redirect that energy toward work, but a lot of it is everyone is available. So we all get dragged into things that we didn't necessarily sign up for or commit to. And I think that's been hard for a lot of people. I think one of the silver linings is we've finally gotten workplaces to experiment with flexibility. Most of the data I've seen right now suggests that on average, organizations are expecting people to be on site three to four days a week, which gives them one to two days to work from anywhere. And I think that's where we should have been for the past decade.
1: You know, one of the things that this pandemic has forced us all to do is to rethink even the most basic assumptions that we had taken for granted. And Adam says there's no reason that that reevaluation has to stop now.
4: The pandemic was, for a lot of people, a global experiment that none of us opted into. And what I'm seeing a lot of people do now as you know, as the end of the pandemic is in sight is they're starting to make commitments and say, okay, well, here's where I'm going to live. and here's how many days I'm going to be, you know, at work. And here are all the policies that we want to establish. This is a terrible time to make a commitment. It's the perfect time to run more experiments. And my hope for 2021 and beyond is that we keep thinking again, but we do our rethinking more deliberately and more proactively. And the best way to do that is to run more experiments, to say, I wonder what would happen if, or what would this be like? And then try it
1: out. And our clinical psychologist friend, Lisa DeMoor, is on the same page with this. We don't have to have it all figured out right now, and that's totally okay.
3: Give yourself a little room. Give yourself a little time. I don't want people to feel like you know you're resilient when the pandemic ends and like, ta-da, you've got your life, you know, newly reformed and formed, and you know exactly what you want to do with yourself, and you're going to come blasting out of this pandemic into the glorious new you. There's a glorious new you out there, I am sure, but humans need time to sort through events. And I don't think we've had the time because the events have been happening so unrelentingly in the context of a monstrously big event that just makes the day-to-day really challenging.
1: I think Lisa is absolutely right. And I just felt comforted by starting to get my mindset in this particular direction. It's hard to predict the future. I love this quote. I think it was from Yogi Berra who says, I particularly hate making predictions, especially about the future. (laughs) He's right. And right now, to be honest, I'm just happy that we can even think about the future at all. Last fall, I got to tell you, I got to a point where I was having a hard time imagining a future beyond the pandemic. When I thought about things, it was just empty. I couldn't imagine what life was going to be like, what the world was going to be like. It just felt like a big void. But now I feel like I can actually start to see it coming into focus again. And after talking to my wife and Lisa and Adam, I feel like there are some changes that I want to make for that future. I want to be proactive. I do want to improve my work life balance and keep up the quality time with my family. It's been such a blessing more walks, more dinners together, more spontaneous dance parties with the kids. There isn't a one-size-fits-all solution here, and there are so many people who are still really struggling at this point. But I encourage all of you to try and take this opportunity to reflect. Think about what changes from the past year you might want to make permanent, and which pandemic habits you are most eager to abandon. Remember, we do need to give ourselves some room to sort through everything we've experienced over the past year. It's been rough, but going through that process of reflection is important. It can be cathartic, even therapeutic. And my hope is that this podcast is gonna help you with that process. We're gonna figure this out together. We're gonna look at rebuilding ourselves, our friendships. We're gonna cope with grief because we have to. We're gonna talk about parenting, which is never easy. Again, I have three tween and teen girls. This is topic of conversation number one. But most of all, I want to hear from you. What do you want us to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Please record your thoughts as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Chasing Life is a production of CNN Audio. Megan Marcus is executive producer. Zoe Saunders is the senior producer. This episode was produced by Rachel Cohn, Jordan goss and Allison Park. Our medical writer is Andrea Kane. Tommy Bazarian is our engineer. And a special thanks to Ben Tinker and Amanda Seeley of CNN Health, as well as Ashley Lusk, Courtney Coop, and Daniel Cantor from CNN Audio.